The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And uh, your number anytime. You throw it right out there for all to, all to see and keep. 416-216-5910. And uh, what we always start the week off with, my friend, is the, uh, the week that was. How was it? Well, it was a very, very busy week, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you about one case which uh, is, is quite fascinating. Uh, and this involves a 61-year-old man who came to see me with his son on Friday morning. Now, he slipped and fell outside of his building uh, last November. He broke his femur and his hip. He needed surgery. Yeah, really serious injuries. And he used to work as a tow truck driver. Okay, he made almost uh, close to 50 grand a year. And, of course, now he can't work. I mean, 61 years old, very, very serious injuries. He's got two kids, adult kids. uh, And I actually met one of them. He came with his father, and he has a wife. Uh, and, you know, he was the main bread earner for his family. He used to work uh, for, for a car manufacturer for many, many years. You know, one of those salt-of-the-earth type of guys, yeah. really hardworking. Just a worker. Just a worker. Loves to work, good sense of humor, everything. Now, he went ahead and hired a law firm in Hamilton, you know, one of those billboard uh, firms that promised him the sun and the moon. And uh, he contacted me last week after Googling why insurance companies don't pay up. Because, I mean, his claim has been ongoing since November of last year. For about a year or so, nothing's been happening on wow. it. And he, so he came across an article that I was featured in. We talked about that before uh, on the National Post. Uh, every excuse in the book when insurance companies don't pay up. Mm-hmm. And so then he researched me a bit more and he came across, you know, the articles about me helping that Saskatoon couple, the yep. $1 million baby. Uh, so we made an appointment. So he came to see me on Friday morning with his son. And I got to tell you, I like this guy. I mean, like I said, the hardest working guy, uh, just just fantastic guy. And he's not asking for much. He's just asking to know what's happening with this case. Yep. His family's struggling financially. You know, we're in the middle of the holidays. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're literally scraping by. And the kids are working. Uh, you know, his wife's working. But it's very, very difficult. Uh, so he brought me some documents to review. And one of those documents was a settlement offer, a letter that his lawyer had drafted to the insurance companies okay. involved here. And I reviewed that settlement offer before he came. He had, he had sent that to me by email. I got to tell you, I was absolutely shocked with what I saw. I mean, here you have a claim that is very serious. Uh, you have a guy who perhaps may not be able to go back to work. Uh, you know, he's 61. He's not 20. So I'm not sure how much yeah. retraining he can do. Not that hireable, right? No. Well, yeah. Especially I mean, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Exactly. And then again, this is a guy who worked with his hands all his life yeah. and, and, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And what really concerned me in the, about the offer was that it missed, uh, you know, really key parts okay. uh, that, that the lawyers sh- should have talked about. So, for example, it was asking for pain and suffering uh, uh, damages. It was asking for income loss damages. But guess what? One of the things he, that they did not ask for is, is some compensation for the various future care, med rehab that he's going to need. So if he's going to have other That's surgeries... That's a huge one, no? It's huge. It's absolutely humongous because OHIP doesn't pay for everything. And you always have to account for the fact, especially with orthopedic injuries, breaks, you know, fractures of, throughout the body, you have to account for the fact that the person will need some kind of rehabilitation in the future. And who's going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. So, so keep in mind, it's not that they weren't asking enough. They didn't even ask anything Period. for that head of damage. Exactly. So that was, that was a huge red flag immediately. Secondly, as I'm looking through the various numbers that they were offering for the pain and suffering, for the income loss, Mm -hmm. for housekeeping expenses, I'm seeing the numbers and they make absolutely no sense to me. Now, John, you asked me before, how do I value claims? Exactly. I'll give you an example, a hip fracture. If I'm a defense lawyer, and as you know, I used to work for insurance companies, Mm -hmm. if I'm looking at a hip fracture, 
that, that kind of an injury, depending, of course, if there's surgery or not, that can get assessed anywhere from $90,000 to $120,000 uh, in pain and suffering only, okay, just for that. So in other words, you go before a court, before a judge, forget about who's at fault, just in terms of the value of that kind of an injury for pain and suffering, it's about 90000 to 120 generally. Uh, they were starting their, their negotiations before the claim even got off the ground at $100,000. So they didn't even ask for the high end, let alone the fact that he has a femur fracture. He's got a rod you know, in, in, in his leg. Mm-hmm. He was going through everything. You have no idea what's going to happen to him in the future. So, I mean, the numbers that they were offering, I mean, so the guy's 61 years old. He told uh, the lawyer that he wanted to work until, you know, until he was 70. Now, would he be able to work until that age? I don't know. But they started their negotiation for his income loss calculations at only a few years worth of income. Well, if you're going to if you're going to negotiate, first of all, you're not going to start from the bottom number. Go high. You go high. Imagine you're selling your house, John, and your house is worth 300,000. Real estate agent comes to you and says, let's just list it for, you know, 300. No, for 200. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's yeah. it's insane. Yeah. It's just crazy. Uh, so, so by my estimate, when, I'm, when I looked at the entire, uh, you know, the total amount and the breakdown, I think that they actually, the, the, the offer, that, the initial offer that they put to the insurance company was about a third of what it should have been. Wow. Crazy and again, keep in number. mind, keep in mind, they hadn't sent them to any doctors at that point. The claim didn't even start at that point. Okay. Huge, huge issue. In a claim like this, uh, in fact, in any claim where you have serious injuries, where you have somebody who can't work, when you're making a claim, you have to build the case. Now, what does that mean? What does building the case mean? Mm-hmm. It means that, you know, when I have a client that has these issues, I will send them to various doctors. I will send them to various experts, yep. perhaps an expert that deals with future care so they can look at the doctor's reports and then itemize what they think you will need in terms of rehabilitation, mm-hmm. what, what you will need in terms of modifications to your home. Right. Perhaps you're disabled. You need to have uh, you know, some things installed in your house or you're going to need someone to come and shovel your driveway, you know, uh, cut You've your lawn. You've got to do it all. You've right? got to do it all. Exactly. Okay. So, so then you have these experts who produce these reports and then you give those reports to an accountant you, of course, talk with the accountant. The accountant has to make certain assumptions. The accountant then cranks out a report, a comprehensive report that literally crunches the numbers. Then you take all of these reports, which, by the way, are very expensive, but it's not the client who has mm-hmm. to pay for this. The gotcha. lawyer should be paying for this. This is what the lawyer is being paid for by the client. The lawyer takes all these reports. Then the lawyer assembles a very comprehensive settlement offer or approaches a mediation or a mm-hmm. settlement conference with that ammunition. Nice. And then the, that's how you get a proper settlement. That's how you get a proper Both verdict steps, trial. Do it. you got you yeah. got to go through the steps. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and his own personal number anytime outside of show hours, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, just getting warmed up right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910, that is uh, Savannah's personal number. You can uh, email questions if you're bashful as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get back to that case you were talking about just before the break. Uh, generally bad lawyers not taking care of uh, taking care of business. As right. Were, right, exactly. So the 61-year-old who slipped and fell and broke his femur and his hip. Uh, so so he has he has this lawyer in Hamilton. And, uh, you know, here's another thing that he tells me, and we talked about this as being a big red flag for people who have lawyers with personal injury claims, uh, or any lawyer for that matter. He said to me that 
you know, he, he would email and call that lawyer in the office multiple times, many times, and he would hardly ever get a, a response back. Nice. And then he was joking that he emailed me once and got six emails back. And I said, listen, I says, I don't usually do this, but, you know, if you're emailing me or you're calling me, you're going to get a response back. And that holds true for every lawyer in my office. Both Lior and I, my partner and I, are very, very stringent about that. So, so that's a huge thing. Lawyers should get back to you. You're not doing them a favor. Okay? They are working for you. Uh, very big flag. Uh, now, uh, so, so this gentleman went to the lawyer and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and said to him, you know, listen, I, I'm not, nothing's happening on my case. It's been a year. I'm very concerned. I, I'm just going to go to another lawyer, he told him. What do you think that lawyer's response was? No, no, wait, wait, wait. wait. No, his response was, go ahead. Come on. Abs- you know, I was shocked. That I have not heard before. I have, especially for someone who's... Go who ahead, that's go your ahead. reaction? And that's exact. Can you imagine that? What a dickweed. Like, I, it, like honestly, it's, that's it's your reaction. A year you've had this guy Extremely stiff. unprofessional. <laughs> and what do you think that does to the confidence of, the, of this individual who, oh, for whose sure. family is struggling, doesn't know how to pay bills at the end of the month? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Have a yeah, nice exactly. day. So anyway, so he did. And he did. Then he contacted me and, and we spoke. Uh, so anyways, we spoke for a couple hours and, uh, you know, he, he decided to, to come with me. And by the way, I never, I never tell people to do that. No. Uh, I tell them, look, these are the options. Uh, and I'll tell them what I think about the lawyer or the lawyers that they're with. Uh, sometimes I know those lawyers, sometimes I don't. There, there's a lot of good lawyers out there, uh, but there are some lawyers that you should stay away from. Uh, so in any event, his case, very serious. Uh, we are starting the claim very, very quickly. Uh, within an hour uh, of, of being retained by him, we sent a lawyer to the previous firm, uh, sorry, a letter to the previous firm telling them we are representing him now. Uh, we, we sent a letter to the insurance companies that got that settlement offer mm-hmm. from that lawyer. We told them all those offers, yeah. prior offers, have now, are now rescinded. Uh, okay, hold your there horses. Was nothing. Hold your horses. We are starting Good. the claim fresh, new, and, and you know, it's going to get done right. So the lessons for people who are listening, if you're in that same position, you have to question your lawyer, okay? You have a right to do uh, just that. You have a right to ask questions, to understand the process, to understand why things are not getting done or are getting done. If, you, if, you, if you know, you're saying things are getting done and you need to understand, uh, uh, you know, what is the basis for the yeah. money you're getting if you're getting certain benefits, uh, if it's a car accident, for example. Uh, very, very important. And again, keep in mind, lawyers are not gods, Okay, I know that sometimes they have a God complex. They are not gods. Mm-hmm. In fact, John, there is actually a joke. Uh, I don't know who said that, but someone once said, yeah, if it weren't for lawyers, we wouldn't need any lawyers. <laughs> you know, how, how true is that sometimes? <laughs> right. But in any event, uh, I'm not going to go too hard on my profession. Uh, there are a lot of good people out there uh, who do try to do good work and mm-hmm. try to help people. Uh, so for those of you out there, just make sure that you understand exactly uh, what's happening with your claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't feel like you are contacting your lawyer too frequently. There is no such thing. Obviously, if you keep emailing your lawyer or calling your lawyer with questions, there is a problem. Yes, exactly. Okay, very, very important. And, and an, another thing to remember is that insurance companies, we've talked about that before, uh, just like uh, with Blue Cross, with that case in Saskatoon, mm-hmm. they can't do whatever they want. So if they cut you off, your lawyer is there to represent you. Yeah. That's exactly what you hire him Don't be him scared of them. They don't, don't have carte blanche. They can't just do that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's get into this. I mean, it's it's you know it's probably not going to be... Well, you can have this anytime, but it usually gets worse when the uh, the weather gets worse, as it will be officially winter uh, a little later on this afternoon. You, uh, car crashes, car accidents. Yeah. Uh, you get into a car crash, should you go to the doctor or hospital right afterwards, regardless? So my, my response is tempered. Uh, usually I say yes. But, you know, if you're not feeling anything, if it's a small bump, if there's really nothing to it, 
okay, I mean, you know, you don't have to. You, sh- you probably shouldn't. Uh, you're going to clog the emergency room. Mm-hmm. But, but here's the thing. If, if it's more than just a, a small bump, if you're feeling anything with your neck, with your back, maybe you have a child in the back seat, make sure you get checked out. And there are two reasons for this. I mean, I get calls all the time from people who say, you know, I've been in a car accident a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling sort of my neck hurts and, and you know, my back yeah, hurts like and, and I'm having difficulties at work. But, you know, I haven't had time yet to go in and, and get checked out by the doctor. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, legalities aside, get checked out for God's sakes. You have mm-hmm. no idea what you've done. I've had cases where people only a month or two later uh, through, through, you know, examinations and the pain getting much worse learn that they have, a, you know, a tear in their knee right. or, or a tear in their shoulder. I mean, get checked out. It's just basic. From a legal standpoint, think about it this way. You've had a car accident. You've been in a crash a few weeks back. You haven't seen the doctor. At some point, you go see the doctor. Now, fast forward, let's say half a year from now, a year from now, when I'm helping you with your claim, when the, when the insurance company or their lawyers look at your medical records and they're seeing that there is this gap between the time you had the accident and the time you went to the hospital or to the doctor. It doesn't look good. I mean, they're questioning themselves, well, how serious was the accident if you didn't go and seek any medical attention for weeks, sometimes months? So from the legal standpoint, yes, no, it does not look good. You got to make sure you get checked out, create that medical trail. And and from, again, medical standpoint, make sure that that, you you get checked out because you may need treatments right away. Take a short break. You, uh, you've you been in a car crash or car accident recently, or you're working with uh, a bad law firm. You've got some questions. Maybe your, your case is stalled, just like the previous one we were talking about. Give us a call. And you can email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. Before we get back into more car accident questions for you, Savannah, I think we got a call. Dennis, how are you? Howdy. Good. When you hey, got Dennis. a question, go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, I was in a vehicle accident through a trucking company, but... I was with a company, and the gentleman that hit me was in a company. So we went through a WSIB thing. Right. Now, is there any way of getting out of the WSIB loop, or uh, I'm not sure how to get any further with it. And at the, at the time of the accident, you were in the course of your employment? Yes. And I assume the other driver was as well? Yeah, and I was told I had to go to WSIB. Right. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if you are injured... Uh, during the course of your employment, and if whoever was at fault for your injuries or for the accident was also in the course of their employment, assuming you're, you know, you're, you are within the same category of WSIB, which most people are, it's called Schedule One. Uh, then, yeah, you would be confined to the WSIB. Uh, uh, scheme, unfortunately. Uh, sometimes there are exceptions, but those are very rare. In a case like yours, uh, unfortunately, you would be limited to what you're entitled to through workers' comp. I, I just want to mention something for people out there who have been uh, to lawyers, and lawyers have told you uh, that you know your injury is subject to workers' comp. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. I've had cases with people coming to me after lawyers have advised them that they can't do anything with their case because it is a workers' comp situation, and I've been able to get around it. So wow. really, it just takes a little bit of creativity, and it takes knowing the scheme and how it, it's interrelated with, with our legal system for compensation uh, to see if we can get you out of that. Okay. And, and you know, sometimes you're dealing with not just you know, a few dollars. You're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars of compensation. I have a case right now uh, you know, where, where I, I have a gentleman who had a forklift go over his foot and crush his foot. Oh. And, and again, the first lawyer that interviewed this individual said, listen, this was a workers' comp uh, accident. Right. Well, well, guess what? No, because he wasn't within that schedule. In other words, he was not um, you know, within that uh, 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 scheme itself that would disallow him 
from from getting compensation through the the the, the, the tort side of things. So okay. so th- through through the, the the other legal mechanisms that we have. So very very important. Uh, you know. Get a second opinion. I mean, that's 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 a lesson. Do you always want to be, if you can, outside of that scheme? Because that where the yes, bigger payoff is. It yes, is you a, do. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can you you can actually have a choice, especially when you're in a car accident situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times, if you're in the course of your employment, you can get benefits through WSAB depending on what happened. Oh. If you were in the course of your employment. But sometimes you can actually get out of that and and make a claim through, like I said, the tort side yep. or or you know the other side of of the legal system, mm-hmm. uh, you know that would allow you to get much more compensation for pain and suffering and everything yep. else. We're talking about car accidents before the break. Uh, now, if you're in a car crash, uh, we mentioned about going to get uh, seek medical help right away, regardless. Yep. Uh, do you got to wait for police to come? Because I know there's the accident reporting centers, but should you wait or should you make that call? You should make that call if the damage to the vehicles it looks like it's over a thousand bucks. So Which if it's nothing. more than just exactly. Exactly. If it's, it's more a than scratch. just a scratch, right, exactly, you should. Now, the problem is what happens if you have, you know, a storm and the police is all occupied across the, you know, the, the, uh, the city, what do you do at that point? Well, it, it, there's nothing in the law that says that if the police doesn't arrive and you don't have a police report, that you can't make a claim for compensation. So, so all you got to do is make sure that you get the information for the other driver, make sure you go to the... Um, self-reporting collision center and uh, you know we talked before that on our, on our website uh, you know th- there is a nice red button where you can click on it and you'll get the list of all the collision centers across the province insurance and injury law.com exactly yep. and you know just make sure that you have that report make sure you get a copy of it and make sure you advise your insurance company of the accident they'll ask you a whole bunch of questions just make sure everything is is done right because, uh, you know, a weekend like, like this obviously wouldn't be an issue, but exactly a year ago it was the ice storm, right? Absolutely, like, exactly. The police would have been everywhere and probably unavailable. Should you, um, what if you're, you've been in an accident and you're contacted by the other driver's insurance company? What do you do? Well, you have to be very careful right, because, right. you know, let's, let's, you know, take a hypothetical, uh, you know, you're stopping in a, in, in a, in, in a light on, mm-hmm. in, on intersection and you're rear-ended from the back. Uh, and, and, you know, you have the information for the other driver, you've exchanged this info, and about a week later, you get a call from an adjuster for the insurance company of the other driver. Okay. And they're asking you for information, not information about how the accident happened, but information about your injuries, about what's happening with work. They may even ask you to sign authorizations, allowing them to be able to request your medical records. Don't do it. Don't talk to them. They are not there to help you. They're not there to protect you. They are there to protect their insured, the person who hit you. So if that happens, if you are injured and that happens, first of all, you don't talk to them. Second of all, you call an experienced personal injury lawyer to get more advice. Just give me a shout. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you for a few minutes. I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. And which is my next question. Is there, is there always a need right after a collision or a crash to call a lawyer? No, no, there isn't. Uh, and I know a lot of lawyers will uh, n- not agree with me on that. But, you know, <laughs> a- at the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not, you know, you suffered, suffered an injury or whether you're having an issue with your insurance company. If you suffered an, sorry, suffered an injury uh, and, 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 you know, you do feel like you're having difficulties at home, you need treatments, you have no idea how to navigate the mountain of paperwork that's coming your way from your own insurance company, then by all means, call a lawyer, uh, make sure that it's someone that knows what they're doing, that specializes in this area of law, uh, not someone who does everything and dabbles. And, and, you know, just get the advice, get advice on on what to do, uh, what your rights are, what kind of benefits you can get. 
Some people decide, you know, I can do it on my own. I'll try and navigate the system by myself. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that months down the road, they're still having difficulty working. Uh, they're having difficulty uh, with their insurance company because they're being cut off or they're being sent to doctors and they have no idea why or what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They, they get copies of reports from those doctors that the insurance company sent them to. And, and, you know, they're very upset because the doctor wrote the wrong thing. Long story short, when those people end up coming to me, a lot of times I have to do a lot of backpedaling and, and, you know, try and repair the damage that's been done because not everything that was, that should have been claimed by this individual for themselves was exactly. So, you know, I usually tell people, if you are injured, call a very experienced personal injury lawyer. Just make sure you do that just for ease of mind and and, uh, just to know what your options are. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. And Savan's number all the time, 416-216-5910. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. After this short break on Talk Radio, AM640. Plethora of questions uh, as far as car accidents are concerned, my friend, and slips and falls as well. First, we go to the phones. We got, uh, hi, Mike, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, pal. You got a question for Savan? Yes, I do, uh, Savan. Um, it's a follow-up to the, uh, the other caller uh, who was asking about WSIB. When I look at uh, forms, for disability insurance from an insurance company, there's a question that says, is condition due to injury or sickness arising out of patient's employment? And there's a yes, no, and unknown checkboxes. Uh, I wonder if Savan can explain what happens if you check yes, what happens if you check no, what happens if you check unknown? Okay, very good question. So, you know, obviously if you say yes, the first thing that goes through the mind of the adjuster who's reading the form is this may be a WSIB uh, situation, a workers' comp situation. And, of course, insurance adjusters get really giddy about that because if you can go through workers' comp, it means they don't have to pay you anything or very little. Okay. Uh, so, so that's what that means. And, of course, if you check yes, you got to make sure, in fact, that that's actually what happened. So what I would tell you is that you go to human resources or uh, the manager at your company before you check that form and actually see if this is, in fact, a workers' comp type of a situation, if, okay. in fact, you're going to get benefits. Okay. But I'll tell you, if you have an election to make, if, yeah. if, if you, know, you were injured in the course of your employment, but whoever caused the injury was not in the course of their employment, mm-hmm. okay? So, for example, let's say you're a truck driver and you collided with someone who was just you know, driving home from, from work, mm-hmm. uh, then you may be in the course of your employment, but the other guy who caused the accident was not in the course of their employment. You have a claim potentially against the other driver. So you don't have to necessarily go through WSAB, and I would suggest you actually not to go through WSAB because the benefits you would be getting through the other claim against the other driver are much larger, much more significant than what you would get through workers' comp. Okay. Uh, in my situation, if I may ask, uh, it's a, a, you know, I work as a computer programmer and I've got repetitive strain injury going on, um, you know, which I haven't injured myself in any other way other than you know, working on the computer, and right. it's, it's kind of like, well, you figure that's what it is, but, you know, I've got fibromyalgia as well and adrenal insufficiency, mm-hmm. so I guess uh, I can check the no box, and that would be okay in my situation. Well, let me ask you this. What's preventing you from working? Is it the fibromyalgia, or is it the, I mean, the strain from work? All three. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the insurance form you're talking about, are those disability forms, like short-term disability or long-term disability? Short-term disability in this case. Okay, right. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it really comes down to, to what you feel is causing you the, this inability to work. Okay. Uh, you know, whether or not it's, it's because of the fibromyalgia, if it's pre-existing before the work started, if it's aggravated right. by that. Uh, so, you know, those are things that what I would tell people is get a letter from the doctor 
to try and give you an opinion as to what it is that's causing you not to be able to work. I mean, obviously, you would know what's causing you uh, mm-hmm. that pain and discomfort, yeah. but it's very important that you have the medical backing as well. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you are, if you are employed and you have this short-term disability or long-term disability through work and you can't work, you should be able to go through that access disability insurer access it. And we talked about that, John, in the context oh. of long-term disability. Absolutely. But just make sure, Mike, that this is documented by your, by your physician. Make sure that those letters are provided to your company and to the insurance company. Talking about uh, car accidents and collisions and how it pertains to, uh, to your business. Now, what if my own uh, insurance company tells me after an accident that I, uh, I don't need a lawyer to claim no-fault benefits? Should I listen to them? Well, so that's a very interesting question as well, because this is your insurance company, right, the ones exactly. who are supposed to look after you. Yeah. And, and, you know, technically they are correct. Just like you don't need a lawyer to go to small claims court to make a claim. At the end of the day, it's much more advisable if you are injured to speak with a personal injury lawyer for a very simple reason. You may not know all the benefits you may be entitled to, and you may not know how the insurance company calculates those benefits. You need this information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for anyone here who's, been, who's listening, if they've been in an accident and, and, you know, you've tried to fill out those forms by yourself, it's not that they're complicated. It's just that you get a mountain of paper and you have no idea what you should be looking at and if you're missing something and what your doctor has to fill out. And, you know, it's just it becomes really convoluted. And in the process, you know, you may, you may lose out because you may not necessarily know everything you're entitled to. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. It's like going to an accountant to do your taxes. I mean, they presumably will know more than the average person who doesn't, sure. uh, you know, have, have that education. It's the exact same thing. If I'm involved in a collision, though, and, and say I'm, I'm partly at fault, uh, can I still get compensation? Because it's, it's not all, it's, part, it's partly on me. Yes. Right? You, you know, you definitely can. In fact, that issue of liability or fault yep. is a lot of times fought over between the insurance company and the lawyer representing the injured individual. So I'll give you a scenario. Let's say that um, I'm driving through an intersection and I have a green light, but it's just turned yellow. And there's someone waiting to make a left-hand turn and we collide. Mm. And, of course, they're going to say that, you know, the light was yellow when you entered the intersection. And I'm going to say, no, it was green. Yeah, you're turning left. Right. So, so you know what? Maybe at that point, maybe somewhere down the road, we're going to negotiate some kind of a split. But it's not a black and white. The, the, the fact that, that you may be partly at fault doesn't mean that you don't get compensation. It just means that it may affect how much compensation. So very, very important for people to know that it's not like the other, you know, the other driver has to be 100% at fault. No, you can be at fault as well. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's going to be subject to, to a discussion about the facts. Every case is unique. Every fact situation, uh, situation is unique. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, people need to understand that if you've been hurt, and to some extent, it's someone else's fault. You should be able to get compensation for that. We'll talk to uh, Tom in Toronto. Hi, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Welcome to the show. You Hi, got a question for Savan? Go ahead. Yes, please. Uh, I had an accident in 2010. It was like a head-on collision. And um, I was self-employed at the time. And it's been almost uh, actually four years. And uh, the only thing they paid for me is my uh, medical uh, treatment. And they haven't paid me a penny yet. Okay, Tom, uh, do you have a lawyer? Yes, I do, but uh, it seems like he's not doing much for me. Okay, well, well let, let, let me ask you a few questions, because this is a very, very important uh, situation that you're raising. 2010, so we're now almost five years post-accident. Uh, do you know, first of all, if your lawyer started a claim against the other driver? He started uh, two claims, uh, one, one against my insurance and mm-hmm. one against the third party. Okay, that's fine. And have you gone through, through the process yet where, where the insurance company's lawyer asks you questions? Yes, I have. Okay, and has anything happened after that? 
Have you had a mediation, a settlement conference? Yeah, we had a meeting with uh, both of the lawyers, my uh, insurance lawyer and the other party right. lawyer. Right. And they asked me all these questions, and like it was like a discovery thing that was called. Right. Yeah. But when you went to the settlement meeting, uh, did the other side offer offer money for you know for your injuries? At the time, they didn't offer anything. But like three weeks later, they kind of made me a small offer for pain and suffer. Okay. Has has your lawyer sent you to any doctors, any experts? Oh, yes. I've been to a number of doctors. That, and uh, all the reports so far is they claim that, you know, it was the cause of the injury, the, the cause of the accident that caused my injuries. Good. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 49. What kind of work were you doing? I was doing construction. Have you returned to work? Oh, no, I can't. Okay. Has your lawyer told you what the next step is? Yeah, well, supposedly uh, next month I got a meeting with uh, one of their doctors. They set me up to go to see one of their doctors. And yes. in February, I'm supposed to go for an arbitration hearing, I believe. Right. Okay, well, Tom, I can tell you this, uh, and I don't know enough about your case. I've asked you a few questions here. It seems like the case has been progressing five years is too long. Yeah, what's that? It's, it's too long. I mean, especially for someone who doesn't work. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of situations where people are, uh, you know, they're not working. They're having uh, difficulty uh, getting by, uh, you know, not being able to, to bring anything home. And, and lawyers, and, and Tom, I have no idea when you hired the lawyer, but in a case like yours where you're not working, your claim should have started shortly after uh, you hired the lawyer. And, and I, I'm not sure if, if it was or not. I'm, I'm hoping that it was. But if the yeah, car, yeah. The claim, I started the claim myself, and then uh, I was getting a lot of running around by the adjusters. So then I decided I heard a commercial on the radio, and I decided to go with this lawyer. Okay. Uh, and uh, but since then, uh, like at the beginning, he promised me he's going to give me th- all these type of uh, benefits, like you know, because I couldn't even do work at all. Right. I couldn't take care of myself. Uh, I have three kids, right? I have a wife. Like, my life's been ruined since this accident. Right. Okay. When was the claim started? Do you know? It started uh, right away. I started myself. I filled up all the applications that my insurance sent me. Yes. And then, like, a month or two later down the road, I didn't see any uh, any action. So I decided to go with, a, you know, an injury lawyer. Right. right. Okay. Okay, Tom, here's what you need to do. You need to call first thing Monday morning your lawyer. You need to get a meeting. You have to ask your lawyer what is going on. You need to know what the next steps are. You need to know exactly what the lawyer is doing to maximize the settlement you're going to get. You, you, this is a very large claim. I don't know how much you're earning, but you're a young guy. You're doing construction, very physical job. You sound uh, you know, like you're struggling. I mean, kids at home... This case should have been resolved probably within a year or two ago. That's crazy. I mean, it, it should not be taking a long time. And, and John, I see this a lot. Even as a defense lawyer, when I worked for insurance companies, I would have to call up the plaintiff lawyers to tell them what's going on. Yeah, let's let's have a settlement. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you know what the response would be? Let me get back to you. Let me. That's what they would tell nice. me when I'm on, from the insurance company saying, I'd like to, I'd like to pay your client. Yeah. They're telling me, let me get back to you. Do you think they told their clients that they're telling me that? It's insane. Why? Because they have 1,500 cases on their shelf, right. which is not an excuse. They get more people to do the work. I mean, the, people are struggling. People, people are injured. I just, I, I don't understand why, why a it lot of lawyers... It blows your mind, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of lawyers who are excellent out there, but you've got to be very careful. If it's your case, you've got to get answers. More questions asked. We'll take your calls as uh, we continue with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show and Talk Radio AM 640. 
And by the way, if you're bashful, you have questions outside of show hours, you don't want to call, or otherwise you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com or myaccidentquestions.com. You can ask them there. And uh, 416-216-5910 is Savannah's number. He does that outside of show hours. That's uh, your cell phone right on your hip. Uh, we're talking about car accidents before the uh, the phone calls we had there. Now, after an accident, um, should an injured person, should you wait to see if your injuries heal before they call you? Okay, so that depends as well. Again, if we're dealing with a very, very minor collision and you have a little bit of an ache or a strain, you probably should wait. I mean, go to the doctor, go to the hospital, make sure you get checked out. But, you know, if within a few, a week or two weeks, three weeks, a month, uh, you feel like you're not getting better, you feel like whatever treatments you started are not really helping that much, you're having difficulties at work, uh, you can't return to work or you're on modified duties and, you know, you got to take a lot of frequent breaks then give us a call. Give us a call for a very simple reason. Let us just have a quick chat with you. Uh, None of my lawyers push anything on people. We're just here to, to, we'll give you the information. If you want to then have us represent you or help you out with your claim, by all means, we can do that. But, you know, make sure you get the information you need. So, you know, my advice is, if your injuries are serious enough to prevent you from working, give us a call immediately. If they're not serious enough to prevent you from working, then give it some time, at least a few weeks. If I call you and say, you know, I want to bring you on to represent me, I mean, will, will my insurance company get their backup if that's the case, or they expect no, it? No, they're actually going to respect your claim. Your claim is going to move into a different uh, category now. It's going to go oh. into a category of now there's a lawyer on file. And, of course, once that happens, insurance companies take it much more seriously because now they have to make sure that they do everything right and by the book. And even then, by the way, John, they screw up. <laughs> but, you know, at the very least, they know that there's going to be accountability. Yeah. Now, again, not necessarily with every lawyer or every law firm. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a little secret. Insurance companies, you know, they know uh, when they see a name of a law firm or a lawyer on file, they, they may treat the case a bit differently than if the person has no lawyer or if they have another type of lawyer. Yeah. So, you know, and it makes sense if you think about it, because in this industry, uh, the adjusters, the lawyers, the insurance companies, they basically know who the players are. Oh, for sure. They know who the defense lawyers are. They know who the plaintiff lawyers are. They they know the strengths, the weaknesses, the reputations. It's all about reputation, by the way, in our industry. Uh, So that's very, very important. Yeah. So if uh, the driver and the passenger in a car collision were injured, can they both get compensated? Yes. Yes, they can, especially if there's a third party here that's at fault. So if I'm driving with you in the car and I'm the driver and we're stopped at a red light and someone, uh, you know, rear-ends us in the, in, in the back and we're both injured, we both have a right to, to compensation from that driver's insurance company. Having said that, what happens if we're both in a, in a car accident, but it's my fault? and you're the passenger, well, then you have a right of compensation as against me. And my insurance company would respond. And I know for some people it's very counterintuitive and yeah. it's, it's very, you know, how, how can I possibly make a claim against my friend who was driving or my spouse or, or my kid? It's, it's not, that's not, it's not the, personal. It's not personal. Yeah. You have insurance for a reason. And at the end of the day, the insurance is there to compensate the person who's not at fault. And passengers are never at fault for an accident. You may have an issue if they weren't wearing the seatbelt, You know, their damages may be minimized slightly, but, you know, they're not at fault. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, You can have two, three, four, five people in a car. Uh, They can all get compensation if there is another party that's responsible for the accident. Take a phone call. Got uh, Nick in Whitby. Hi, Nick. Hi. Good afternoon. You got a question? Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question that uh, uh, I was involved in a car accident. It's not, it was an accident. I was driving four or seven and the storm hit my eye. When I was driving like 120 kilometers an hour, mm-hmm. uh, it's pick up from the somebody's tire. You know, the 
dumb question they asked me that what's a plate plate license plate number of the car i i don't know there is a lot of come on you know i almost died on the behind the wheel right yeah you're worried so about the number it's a pain 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 i can you can't imagine what kind of pain is that so when it, it was 2007 and i got the settlement in 2012 i mean uh, only the insurance company paid me like $5,800, and they claim that I have I developed cataracts, headaches, this and that. Mm. Nick, yeah, let me ask you a simple question. Did you have a lawyer? Yes, yes. And was it a personal injury lawyer? Uh, was. Uh, in other words, was the lawyer specializing in this area? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, the first red flag is is that, uh, you know, it took five years to resolve Again, this claim. Yeah. Again, it should not take that long. Sometimes you have complicated accidents. Sometimes you have situations, and I've had those happen, where my, my, my client is in an accident, and we're just ready to resolve the claim a year and a half later, let's say, and then my, and then my client gets into another accident. Well, that complicates things, and, you know, we have to start another claim. So I can see delays in those situations. Mm-hmm. In a case where it's just one incident, there should not be such a delay. I mean, five years. I just don't understand why these claims take five years. They should not take five years. And that, that case would be his own insurance because it's a stone. He didn't get hit by somebody. It's a right, stone flying right, from the exactly, road, apparently. Right, exactly. And I'm not sure what the yeah. 5800 was for. Uh, you know, and another thing that I'll tell you is that when I look at a claim, somebody comes to me, I make a very quick assessment if it's going to even be worthwhile for the individual to go through the claim. I'm not about to put someone through a process that, you know— can be unpleasant mm-hmm. if I don't think that they deserve significant compensation, right. right? But that's why I tell people. Sometimes people come to me and they think that they're entitled to a few thousand dollars and their settlements are in the six figures. Wow. So again, it, you have to go to the right person. You have to make sure you get the right advice and you got to make sure you do it on time and you got to ask questions. Help at insurancelawyer.ca and Savan's number 416-216-5910. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Last segment coming up on Talk Radio, AM 640. Final few minutes here. We'll get uh, right to the phones because I think this call is a fairly important one. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing? Great. You got Hi, a question Linda. for Savan. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, last July, or this July, I guess, uh, we were up uh, near Ottawa camping on the St. Lawrence. It was a, a marina. Our friends had a yacht there. And there was a campground, too, so we brought our little trailer up, and they put us in one spot, and they said, well, no, if you want a picnic table, you have to go over here. So anyways, they moved us over, and these stupid decks that are about, I don't know, 8, 10 inches high, and you kind of pull your trailer up to it, and so you can put your picnic table and whatnot on there, right? But anyways, the first night, we're coming back from our friend's boat, and I didn't see it there's no lights for at least an eighth of a mile and i tripped smashed my face on the picnic table bench broke my nose fractured my skull this and that and all kinds of goodies on my first day of my vacation and so i went to the hospital did everything i was supposed to do and the ministry says we don't care to entertain it at this time Hmm. sorry you're saying the ministry said that well, it's owned by the Ministry of Tourism, this park I was at. Okay. It's a provincial it's a park. Provincial, huh? No, it's not oh, a provincial, it's not a provincial park. park. Okay. Right. So you tri- when you tripped, you were walking on a path, a designated path? Well, no. We walked on the—like, we had a white truck and a little right. white trailer, and we had to just stand there for a few minutes to figure out, you know, like, where is it? That's how dark it was. Okay. Now, you said you have a lawyer, but you didn't go through with the case. No, I didn't get a lawyer. I actually phoned those two big guys. Right. And they didn't want to even deal with it. Okay. But um, I do have a lawyer 
that said she'd take the case. Right. But I thought, well, you know, and I'm doing it all right by myself. And then I got a letter back saying they don't care to entertain it. Okay, Linda, your injuries uh, sound pretty serious and pretty severe. You definitely have to pursue. I think you should pursue it. Uh, you know, in a, in in a case like yours, the question is going to be what is the, what is the liability or what is the fault on whoever owns the area, and whether that's the province or another institution. Keep in mind the fact that that you know the city or the province or a governmental agency owns the place doesn't mean that they maintain the place. Uh, you know, there could be other companies involved or other entities that potentially could be at at, at fault here. Uh, you well, know, that's, one of the, that's the kicker because half of it is a yacht club and half of it is um, a campground. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? And then they got this—I don't know—a train thing running through and some fort and whatever. Okay. Linda, here's the thing: we're actually running out of time. Feel free to give me a call, and and I'll gladly speak with you. I know you have a lawyer. It doesn't matter to me. I'll still speak with you, and I'll give you all the information you need. Uh, you should definitely pursue it, though, if, in fact, the injuries are as severe as you're telling me that they are. And if you don't, keep in mind also that you have two years from the time that this happened uh, to start a claim, although I never advise anyone to wait that long. Uh, so, you know, give me a call off air. I'll be happy to speak with you, and I'll give you all the information you need. Linda, the number 416-216-5910, 416-216-5910. That'll do it for another week, my friend. Outside of show hours, it's mydisabilityquestions.com or myaccidentquestions.com. And you can email Savannah anytime at help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That'll wrap it for another week on the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640.